We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There were huge performances in week nine. We're reacting to those and talking players that have come back to life on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz, ready to talk about some absolutely monster fantasy performances that occurred over the weekend. Also, some players that are stepping back now into fantasy relevancy, reestablishing themselves as must plays each week. Curtis was practically drooling at the opportunity to talk about some of these players. How are you doing, Curtis? Doing great, man. Uh, we've we've crested, I think at the completion of tonight, we'll have crested the, uh, the halfway point officially for every team uh, in the fantasy season. And I, I always love checking in at like the quarter polls and the, the half poll to see what, you know, the full season paces look like. Um, just to kind of put some perspective on the excellence that we're seeing uh, from some of the the superstars and from some of the breakout players. And it's just kind of a natural time to do that. Cause, cause I'm also just thinking like, as I look across my best ball portfolio and even, you know, all my redraft and dynasty teams, it, it's kind of like that really natural point to check in. Like, how's the squad doing? What are my realistic expectations now? And, you know, you're kind of doing that for each player, but then you start to, you know, get an opinion about, you know, the, the, the upside or, or lack of upside in, in some cases of each of your individual squads and kind of put those plans together. So uh, it's always a good conversation to have through this, I think, you know, week nine through week 12 corridor of the season where, you know, a lot of trades could still be happening in dynasty, you know, the waiver wire starts to really dry up and, and people can start stacking up their benches for the playoff runs. You know, there's just a lot of applicability. So, uh, I, I love the Monday review tool that we have up on the site. And even though it's Monday night football, as we record, we can kind of use that as a backbone for a little bit of discussion. I think it's going to be great. Absolutely. So we're going to start things off here with the player of the week. And this week's player of the week put up what I think can only be described, Curtis, as a historic performance. And that, of course, was performed by Joe Mixon 
with an absolutely absurd line, 22 rushing attempts for 153 yards, four <laughs> rushing touchdowns. That's also seven oh, yards man. an attempt. Uh, yeah. Saw five targets, converted yeah. four of them, 58 receiving yards, and a touchdown in PPR scoring, Curtis. That is 55.1 points. Yeah, man. Pending uh, Monday Night Football, unless Alvin Kamara scores, let's see here, he would have to score about the same amount of points. So if, if Alvin Kamara puts up a 50-burger himself, he could pass Joe Mixon uh, for RB2 season to date. That's how crazy this performance was for Joe Mixon. He is now, granted, he's played nine games. And, and not everyone that's up in that kind of echelon, that top five, actually many of the backs up in that top five and, and just total raw scoring have only played eight games. So we've got to kind of keep that in mind, yeah. but I'm just going to use the uh, week range slider here. So through, through eight weeks, and that would have been eight games for Joe Mixon. He was RB, let's see, six, nine. RB 11. And so in the, in, in just one game, he, he jumped from RB 11 to RB two. Yep. Just really crazy, man. He's up to 171 PPR, you know, best ball portfolios don't necessarily care, you know, how these points come. So that's the, that's the benefit of that. Um, Mixon was a super popular pick for me at the, the one, two turn, just thinking about the steps that that Cincinnati offense might take this year. And they haven't really done that uh, for a number of reasons, but it'll kind of make sense. And, you know, I was reading through Sean's article. I'm not to fixate too, for too long on Mixon here, but I was reading through Sean's article, and he made a great point that on the heels of this game, Mixon now faces the toughest running back fantasy schedule of, of any back in the NFL now, rest of the way. Um, and so that's definitely got to inform, you know, your handling of this player moving forward. But on the other hand, you know, they're without Jamar Chase right now, and the offense hasn't really been clicking um, since Chase went down and, and Burrow had kind of the slow start to the season, I could see them trying to to feature Mixon just a little bit more, maybe maybe ride him a little bit deeper into games before they abandon that part of their offense moving forward after seeing what he's capable of here. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously fantasy owners are, are pumped, and, I mean, that's a game that Mixon's never going to forget. Yeah, that was absolutely wild. There is a player, though, Curtis, that uh, we had been disappointed by for some time at the start of the season. But, man, things have really turned around. Justin Fields, over the weekend, 28 passing attempts, just 17 completions, 123 yards, but three passing touchdowns. But what's more absurd, the man then proceeds to rush 15 times for 178 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. I will also add on a lot of those runs, it just looked like, you know, he had a complete will and domain over that field, puts up 42.7 points, gets our boy mm. Cole Komet two receiving touchdowns. What a yeah. game for the for the Bears, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were so close to pulling this game out, and uh, this is what you needed to see. You know, I think if you're a Bears fan, if you're the Bears, uh, you know, brass, um, if you're a dynasty manager with Justin Fields on your roster, you needed to see a game where the opposing squad really pushed the pace, which, you know, the Dolphins are doing, you know, really, um, uh, I mean, they're Ferrari every single week, and you, you basically just got to try to keep up with them. 
it was cool to see in a game that was wide open that Fields could could get that done. Now, I mean, not as much happening through the air, so it you know complicates the you know the team's ability to really put up those huge scores. But I mean, you can't fault the guy for for putting up this type of a fantasy performance. And you know, the more that he runs and the more success that he has in that area, the more dynamic it's like. You know, see uh, what would it have been year three Lamar? I think um, when he put up a thousand rushing yards, it's like once you get to that level, teams will have to back off a little bit. And those dump offs, you know, every every little you know confident throw that he makes, confident check down that he makes to commit, um, it just will you know open up his repertoire a little bit more. And I mean, he's looking way more dynamic, way more uh, like the Justin Fields that that we saw in Scarlet and Gray for a couple years in Columbus. And uh, yeah, excited for him, man. You know, I, I, uh, I told on myself to this, I can't remember what the name of the account is, but there's, there's a, it's fantasy receipts. Maybe there's this Twitter handle out there, Dave, that's, you know, they're making it their mission to like hold fantasy analysts, quote unquote, accountable for their takes. And I actually turned myself in to them after the first four weeks of the season for saying that Justin Fields would be this year's Jalen Hurts. And <laughs> now I kind of want to use the same tweet I told on myself for as uh, as as pulling my own receipt in a positive way. It looked negative a month ago, like maybe he would lose his job. So uh, this is exciting if you're a Bears fan. And, you know, with them adding Chase Claypool now, you know, how how might that offense continue to evolve over the back half of the season? It's It's really, really cool. Um, when, when a, a new quarterback emerges because there's all this ripple effect that can yes. happen. So I could see us focusing on the Bears now a lot uh, over the next month and, and what it means for those players in Dynasty in particular. Yeah, it, it's really exciting stuff for all, all those reasons that you mentioned. And also just from like a fan's perspective of watching games now, it makes uh, you know a, a lot more interest when you see the yeah. Bears uh, on the schedule. So we are going to come back and talk about some other really exciting players. But first, we are obligated, Curtis. <laughs> to call it the snoozer of the week. Yeah. yeah. And uh, snooze they did. In fact, this week, we can't even just go with a single player. We have decided to give this award to the entire Kansas City Chiefs backfield who on Sunday night football did not produce a rusher that went over (laughs) 1.3 rush yards per attempt. Over five total rushing yards, Dave. Yes. Over none of them crested five (laughs) yards. So you have Jarek McKinnon with three rushing Uh, attempts for four yards. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire four rushing attempts mm. for five yards and Isaiah Pacheco for five yards on five rushing attempts. McKinnon did get six receptions. So, you know, silver lining there for him. But wow, you were already sour on the outlook for these backs for the rest of the season. And they and granted, Tennessee, good defense. You know, they have a good defensive front there, but this was just really atrocious. Yeah, man. Uh, what an interesting game, too, because... I mean, the Titans should have just got licked in this game. I mean, you have Malik mm-hmm. Willis, who, you know, we wanted to be excited about him uh, for the rushing upside. I mean, he's outmatched. Like, this is not, right. you know, this is not a good situation. Um, and and for the Titans to just be able to purely ride Derrick Henry um, in a game like this against the Chiefs, 
where Patrick Mahomes throws for 446 yards and for them to eke out a three point overtime victory. Like it just does not bode well for the chiefs moving forward. They're either going to do a lot of like self-reflection and soul searching after this game and, and just wake the heck up moving forward. Or this could have been a, you know, the really the referendum on their season. And, you know, uh, it could, it could be a sign of, of disappointment to come um, later on. Uh, but yeah, this backfield, man, it's, I don't know. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, it's hard to even feel good about him putting up these types of receiving lines moving forward as, as Kadarius Tony gets a little bit more integrated into the offense moving forward. So yep. um, there's some positives we could talk about at other positions uh, for this team, but yeah. Hey, listen, if we're only going to get one rushing yard per attempt, could we not just mix Rojo in a little bit at this point? Like I know, you know, uh, is he, has he regressed that much that he can't give you? I mean, it would only taken 1.4 rushing yards per attempt to, to pace this backfield. I, I think Rojo could, could muster that. I mean, we would like to think, but uh, perhaps the larger takeaway <laughs> here is just that he's scratch, man. He's done. Yeah. He's toast. I mean, honestly, I think last night, you know, there's a, there's very few backs that you could have plugged in back there that would have made that big of a difference. Of course, Derek yeah. Henry, who we I believe has already been mentioned, uh, you know, is one of those guys. But Joe, I, Mixon. Joe, know, Mixon. Joe Mixon, okay, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk yeah. about some of these these players that you were excited to talk about, Curtis. We'll get off of that negative of the Chiefs' backfield and maybe talk about some guys that we're excited about as we can, you know, think about them going forward. Yeah, I want to keep I want to keep it positive, man. But let's get a drop and uh, transition the segment. All right, we got to talk about some of the just the amazing play uh, that is, that is occurring in in the league this year, and we're going to start right at the top. I, I, this guy, you know, I think it's hard to say that he should be in the MVP race. I, I think I, it's just unlikely that he'll be considered in this manner. But there is no player that has helped to transform an offense into its most current iteration more than Tyree Kill, man. Tyree Kill through nine games. He's at 100 targets, 1,104 receiving yards. Davies pacing for 2,085 receiving <laughs> yards this year. He he is pacing to become the first receiver in NFL history to, to uh, you know, broach the 2,000-yard barrier. He's got 206.9 PPR points uh, through those nine games, 1,171 air yards from the pop gun armed Tua and other cast of characters. I mean, no other receiver has a thousand air yards yet. And only five other receivers even have 800 air yards yet. So Tyreek, he's still getting targeted down the field. He's still doing his yak thing. I mean, he, he's just insane. I mean, despite leading the NFL in air yards, he's also fourth in yak. Now I know some of those big, you know, some of those big air yard plays also produce a lot of yak, yep. uh, kind of the nature of the play, but it's just, it's just nuts, man. I, I mean, I can't say enough about Tyreek. You know, so often, you know, we want to pencil in what, you know, the most likely outcome of these wide receivers changing squads is that, you know, they they struggle to get acclimated in the new offense and new offensive coordinator has different designs for them, wants them to fit within a system. And it just ends in heartache more often than not. You know, we've seen the Brandon Marshall outcome. We've seen the Robert Woods outcome. There's been a couple instances where it's worked. But man, it's never worked like this. Uh, so yeah, just 
really just wanted to say hats off to Tyreek and uh, hats off to, to people who still believed in the talent. I mean, sometimes the talent really is the difference maker. And that has been the case, man. He transcends systems. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think one of the other just fun aspects of it too, is that it's made Tua, uh, you know, a more exciting yeah, player from a fantasy lens who knows the impact has probably had on uh, Jalen Waddle, but it's great to see him excelling too. And then we have Jeff Wilson coming in for his first week in Miami. Yeah, You know, he has a, puts up a strong game. Mostert still finds the end zone. So it's just great when you have these offenses where there's a lot of different pieces contributing to fantasy teams. Yeah. The other, j- just kind of framing this up um, even a little bit more. So at 206 points, Tyreek, has doubled doubled the output of the wide receiver 30 this year (laughs) 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 all right just through just through the half season point man he's doubled up the wide receiver 30 i mean it is just crazy the amount of distance that he's put and i mean you don't even have to go that far down to just make it telltale i mean he's got he's putting up 80 points uh on 83 points on Amari Cooper, who is the wow. fantasy, let's see, 9, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, who is the wide receiver uh, 12 on the season. He's got 80 points on wide receiver 12. So just that gap from wide receiver one overall to the back end wide receiver one, that's how wide that gap is, man. Um, really, really cool. And I mean, we shouldn't gloss over, I mean, Cooper Cup in, in one fewer game, um, does have 198 PPR. You know, he's still pacing the NFL in uh, fantasy points per game. Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, they're kind of doing their things. Both of them um, actually Jaylen, have a have a rushing touchdown too, which is interesting, Cup and Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's hard to project, but it's it's cool to see. Um, you know, the other the other player who has switched teams and, and really helped uh, change his offense is A.J. Brown, man. You know, he's over... And the Philadelphia Eagles offense, he's got a 30-plus uh, percent target share through his uh, eight games that he's played so far this year. 718 uh, receiving yards has him in the top six of all pass catchers in the NFL. He's got six receiving touchdowns, which ties him uh, for second, along with Cooper Cup and Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. Uh, and, you know, he certainly you know deserves some of the credit for how great Jalen Hurts looks, uh, who's another player who's taken a step forward. But... It's kind of cool to just see, you know, after how exciting this offseason was, particularly back in the spring, for some of these big names having changed teams to actually have ended up as success stories. Because so often we're disappointed in those situations. Maybe something that would be an interesting offseason research project for myself or, you know, one of our other research uh, crazed individuals at Rotoviz, the difference between wide receiver production post-trade versus post-free agency. Um, and, you know, because there is some different, you know, connotation yeah. uh, to to those types of uh, uh, jersey swaps. Dave, anybody's uh, sticking out to you at, at any position through the first half of the season, either the positive or the negative that you want to get on the board here? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you gave me that opportunity here because as we started looking at different players for this episode, there's a couple of players that stood out to me as guys that if they're not on one of your teams, you might not be aware just how strong they have been. The first player I'm looking at here is Tyler Lockett at wide receiver nine (laughs) with 132.8 points. Huge drop off there from, you know, the likes of Hill and cup. But the fact that he's doing this is just amazing. When, 
you know, if you were sitting there doing projections, thinking about what things were going to look like with potentially Drew Locke or Geno Smith, you know, Lockett was the guy that was landing in like the 50 to 60 range. Uh, what a testament to what Geno Smith has been able to do. Seeing as when you look at the top 20 wide receivers, Curtis, right now you get Lockett in at nine and you have DK Metcalf coming in at 17. That stands out to me as absolutely insane. It's also really cool to see somebody like Curtis Samuel getting his way into the leaderboard. Yeah. I think he's around uh, wide receiver 15 and then followed by Tyler Boyd, who's been able to stay very relevant this yeah. year. Uh, right behind him. So Boyd actually comes in ahead of T Higgins. It's also interesting just to note uh, after Cincinnati did have some struggles early on in the year uh, with just eight games for Higgins. Um, he gets into the top 20. And like I said earlier, you have Boyd and then obviously uh, Jamar chase. So you have three Bengals in the top 20. Um, you know, we'll have to break that down on a points per game basis. Uh, hopefully when chase returns, but yeah, I mean, outstanding stuff. Lockett actually is wide receiver two in catch percentage, uh, this year, not wow. something that I would have thought with the changeover to, to Geno Smith. Um, I mean, 77.3, it's only a, it's, it's 0.1 percentage points that he trails Cooper cup in terms of catch percentage. Um, pretty cool, uh, to see, I mean, you know, obviously a little bit of a different player, uh, not quite as physical, you know, maybe as Doug Baldwin would have been, but Lockett's kind of doing the same thing, man. You know, he's managing to last into his late twenties, uh, early thirties as that, um, kind of seam ripper for Seattle. I mean, you know, I think a, a lot of his managers wish he didn't slide six yards before contact, but at the same time, that's probably why he's able to, to stay healthy and in the lineups because, you know, he'd get snapped like a twig. Otherwise, I think you mentioned a lot of cool names there. Uh, I did want to also talk, going back to the Chiefs, man, a player that over the last couple of weeks seems to really have hit his stride um, that I know is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> All of a sudden, Juju Smith-Schuster, man, you know, he looks like totally bankable. Yeah. Totally bankable. Um, I, I think he's going to be a pretty serious part of, of a lot of uh, playoff and potentially championship rosters now he's gone from like flex worthy through the first month to you know five weeks of the season to now you know he's auto start moving forward man well you know another interesting note here curtis is that Nicole hardman has actually had a fair amount of life as well if you look at weeks five through nine we have hardman and juju as the wide receiver 13 and 14 both with 73 points uh, which I honestly had not even realized until I just went to look this up on Juju. So yeah, awesome stuff to see there. Another name that I now feel compelled to throw out there, and we're kind of getting off track here, but that's all right. Jacoby Myers, uh, between weeks five to nine, has been a wide receiver in one, and we've mentioned uh, Jacoby a couple of times on the podcast uh, this year, but it's exciting for him. Brandon Ayuk also getting into that grouping. Uh, which just highlights, you know, after the first couple of weeks, it starts to look like you you have a picture of how things are going to play out. But uh, sometimes you do have to wait till you get to the halfway point of the year. Yeah, yeah. On the uh, on the Hardman Juju thing, you know, have to be a little bit careful about how touchdowns, you know, play into things. Yep. I mean, Hardman, even over the last three weeks where he's kind of started to stand out, still just a 13 percent target share 
uh, as compared to Juju hovering kind of in that 20%. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of like, you know, I, I will say the takeaway, you know, in the, in those desperation, you know, by week coverage situations, I mean, Hardman, you know, you could have done a lot worse for sure. Um, getting, e- let's go, let's go even deeper into some of these names who maybe now are emerging as, you know, sneaky end of roster players to, to sneak, uh, to sneak into, uh, your teams, maybe not to start quite yet, uh, but just to kind of keep an eye on things and then, you know, players to kick the tires on in dynasty before they, they really emerge in, in a way that will make them, uh, you know, unable to buy very, very quietly over the last two weeks, Terrace Marshall is sitting at 22.7% target market share, uh, for the Carolina Panthers, 140 receiving yards on 15 targets over the past two weeks and 27 PPR over the past two weeks, man. I mean, this is what you've been waiting for to see from Terrace Marshall, you know, who's younger coming into the league and the team's had just such atrocious quarterback play. But, you know, with the changes that the Panthers uh, continue to make, you know, even more turnover in their coaching staff uh, this weekend, um, under Steve Wilkes' temporary uh, leadership, I guess, rest of season. It'll be really fun to track uh, Marshall's development alongside DJ Moore, you know, with McCaffrey out of the picture. They're hungry to see <clears throat> who's going to step forward and be the secondary target in that offense. I mean, Robbie Anderson jettisoned out of town. I mean, it's definitely ripe for the picking, man. And and Marshall seems to have stepped up, at least in recent weeks. I would think that his role would only continue to grow and he only has two fewer targets than DJ Moore over the past two weeks. So, I mean, this could be, this could be the start of, you know, the next one, a one B situation in Carolina. I, I do think there's a bit of a talent gap between these two players, but they're so different stylistically that, you know, there could be some of those defenses where, you know, Marshall is just an even, you know, better play uh, than DJ Moore, depending on the quarterback limitations that they have rest of the year. So definitely that's one player that you can consider, Adding, I know there's a couple others that uh, Bjorn mentioned in his waiver wire article that might be uh, interesting to review as well, Dave. If you want to share some of those, uh, yeah, players. yeah, definitely. Also, a really good note that he had on Marshall too that I'll share just before we move off of him was that uh, since Robbie Anderson was traded, Marshall <laughs> uh, has run a route on 95 percent or more of dropbacks compared with just 28 percent prior. Uh, so that's definitely something to pay that- attention to. Seems desirable. That yes. seems good. That <laughs> seems yeah. very 95% good. 95% is solid. Uh, I, I'm going back just real quick on Marshall yep. uh, to hone in on him for a second in our prospect box score scout, you know, because we've seen so little of him since he's gotten into the league, just kind of reminding you the types of names that were popping up in his compare list. I mean, his number one sim uh, in, in our prospect box score sc- uh, scout tool was Chris Godwin. Yes. And, you know, Godwin was a little slow um, getting to it as well. And so, you know, that's that's what we're dealing with here. I mean, he had a career. uh, uh, I'm I need to resort here. He did have a career uh, receiving touchdown market share of of over 30 percent there. LSU, of course, didn't play the entire uh, uh, the entire final season there. Uh, Final season receiving yards market share of 34 percent. This is a guy who runs 440 at 205. I mean, this is an NFL, you know, ca- this is definitely an NFL caliber, you know, perimeter receiver. So uh, name to monitor in your shallower dynasty formats, such as 
Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty over on at FFPC, uh, myffpc.com. Terrace Marshall may have very well been kicked to the curb. So if you're starting three wide receivers in those shorter dynasty formats, be actually sure to check for him there, not just in redraft. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great point and a player who very realistically could be out there for you. Uh, now, a name that I, I'm imagining would probably be more of a redraft option, as I think people would not have let him go uh, in Dynasty, is Wandale Robinson. And Bjorn yeah. mentions that this yeah. player has the potential to break out in the second half of the season. Uh, now, they did just have um, a bye, right? But in the games prior, we yeah. saw Robinson kind of becoming the focal point of the offense, as noted by Bjorn, earning a target share of 32% um, on routes in week six and seven. He also notes that coming off of the bye, they play Houston and Detroit, two of the weakest defenses in the league. So he could be a player that could come in and make a difference for you right out of the gate. I love actually at this point of the season that uh, the Giants have their bye because we've seen gradual improvement from Daniel Jones looking a little bit more potentially long-term viable. And he hasn't really like broken out from fantasy perspective, yep. but you know, the Giants are playing you know, leaps and bounds better than they did last year, despite having a super weak supporting cast, which is, you know, part of the context, you know, as to why Wandale could be, you know, a great player over the second half for fantasy purposes. But this mid season break for a guy like Brian Dayball, who's historically been kind of that, you know, he's been able to connect with quarterbacks and get the most out of them. I love this chance to assess the offense and what their biggest opportunities are moving forward. And uh, yeah, there's no reason that that Wandale couldn't be the big beneficiary of that. They're cl clearly going to, you know, figure out like, hey, we're going to get into these shootouts with Dallas and Philadelphia. How are we going to keep up with these teams? We're going to have to do more than try to win with 24 points. So um, yeah, I, I like that. And then just a fun um, anecdote on Brian Dayball. 
during the bye week, you know, these team beats are always looking for, you know, any news that could be generated. And I don't know, Dave, if you saw way back in January when, when Dable arrived at New York Giants headquarters, you know, he pulls up in his truck, you know, he's got a suit on, which is so not Dable. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember this guy from his time in Cleveland. Like he definitely is a blue collar type of guy. So he's wearing a suit that he doesn't look comfortable in and he's carrying a briefcase. <laughs> so, like it comes out this week as the beats are kind of talking to him about that arrival. He admitted that the briefcase was empty. <laughs> he was just trying to, he was just trying it. to look, yeah, just look trying to look official yep. um, and fancy. Like, I guess, you know, uh, I don't know if it's an homage to like, uh, you know, Tom Landry or, you know, the coach, the coaches of yesteryear or something like that. But I, I love that move from him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I love the move from him. So um, yeah, I like calling out Wandale, you know, the, uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of hit um, in this episode is, is a little bit of a round table discussion quickly on a strength of schedule streaming app. I think this is the time of year where this tool is, so important, you know, in years past, this is how analysts on the site got onto David Montgomery being a huge trade target, yep. you know, and he fin- closes out a season, um, you know, as the RB one over the last month of the season and ends up as a top five, uh, you know, back um, in raw fantasy scoring in season long. I mean, those are the types of things that you can identify in this tool. And so if, if you haven't spent your time there, I mean, look, we got over 30 plus tools on the site. It is difficult to, um, frequent all of them and master all of them. But this one's really easy to use. You just go to the tools tab at the top of rotaviz.com, go to the end season area and just click on the SOS streaming app. SOS, of course, standing for strength of schedule. You can um, select your position. You can look at the uh, the matchups for the, the next week and uh, according to um, relative uh, fantasy Uh, weakness of the opponent you can look at the rest of the season or of course what i like to do is the custom range if i'm looking for those players to get me through the rest of these bye weeks you know i might focus on you know weeks 10 through 14 you know the remaining weeks up to the fantasy playoffs or if i'm looking for any potential you know must adds or must trade for players between now and the end of the season looking at weeks 10 through 17 of course just gotta kind of uh take a quick trip through the positions here, Dave, looking at the entire, you know, rest of the season, one squad that comes up, you know, if this quarterback can get healthy, maybe there's a chance for redemption for Russell Wilson, Dave, because Russell Wilson has the easiest schedule of all quarterbacks in fantasy between now and, and the championship week. And I mean, the floors looked really low. It's been a bad situation that hammy's tight. Uh, I get it, but I mean, in particular, over the next six weeks, he's green-lighted. The next six weeks in a row, he's facing bottom-half fantasy defenses against opposing quarterbacks. It's not until week, week 16 against the Rams where he would, unfortunately, in your fantasy semifinal, probably be a must-bench before Aaron Donald snaps him in half. <laughs> um, but up until that point, I think he's going to be streamable again. So if you find yourself in a lot of a lot of trouble. Maybe you're worried about this news with Josh Allen and his elbow, you know, you're, you're in first place and and just looking for opportunities to add in those single QB leagues. I think it's highly likely that Russell Wilson is out there in some single QB leagues for sure. 
So that that's one spot that I see, you know, I think we can expect, especially post McCaffrey and the opportunity for dump offs and short uh, receiving touchdowns, Jimmy Garoppolo, Dave, with the second most favorable schedule rest of season for, for fantasy quarterbacks. And it has a great semifinal and final week situation facing uh, the commanders in week 16 and the Raiders in week 17. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. He will, he will have of all quarterbacks, the best semifinal and championship week matchups. uh, If you look at them in combination Uh, and on the other end of the spectrum, not that it matters for players of this caliber, but Patrick Mahomes second, most difficult uh, fantasy schedule rest of the way. And Tua, who we were just talking about, has the third most difficult rest of the way. I don't think it matters with his weapons, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. uh, Any notes from you on any of those quarterbacks or you want me to keep going uh, to the running back? No, you can keep going. Just the the one thing um, I'll interject here. It's actually two thoughts uh, just for anybody that uh, has not heard me mention this yet. One of the most common questions I get is, in a given week, you have a couple of different tools I can look at. What do I do? Strength of uh, the SOS streaming app, I think, is best used for trying to look ahead and map out the season moving forward. In a current week, I would give more of a preference to the conclusions you can draw from the weekly GLSP and the passing game oh, yeah. matchup rater. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, to- yep. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I think that's spot on. You know, the SOS streaming app is really it's, it's directional, right? It's, it's, this is the 50,000 foot view of, of how you should approach the rest of the season. You can get in there with a scalpel on some of the other tools uh, that are a little bit better informed for sure. Now we were just really, wait, 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 wait. I said, I had two thoughts. Oh, that's only one. It's only one. (laughs) Uh, So the other one is just that uh, the way that the tool here comes up with the, um, scores that it uses to map out how favorable, unfavorable um, the upcoming matchups are. It's not doing just the simple uh, thing of looking at how many points a defense has allowed to each position. It's looking at how much better or worse opponents do compared to their average just for fa- in the positional cases, just for fantasy relevant players. So one of the cool things about that is it's not including, uh, you know, like, points that could be compiled by players that you don't care about as that really shouldn't factor that much into your analysis. And then also that is normalizing some of the issues you could have for teams that have played softer schedules by looking at if their opponents are doing better or worse than average. So just another layer of context I wanted to give in there. Cause sometimes I get questions because you might see certain teams being shown as a favorable, unfavorable matchup. And it might not coincide with what you see somewhere else, but that's because we're doing more than just looking at those points allowed. Oh, so you mean the tool is hyper optimized? Dave, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, for fantasy winning, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so with with all of those uh, backdrops in mind, looking at the running back position, this is almost unfair. Derrick Henry has the second <laughs> best situation. <laughs> Derrick Henry, who's just murdering defenses again, has the be- second best situation rest of season. And man, it is just unfair for weeks 14 15 16 he has the jags the chargers and then in the semifinal week dave the texans the texans again <laughs> who he has just uh, obliterated throughout his career 
I mean, really, really cool situation uh, to see, you know, we, we were singing his praises all off season and kind of lamenting the fact that he didn't get a chance to, to continue his historic pace yeah. in, in 2021. So it's kind of cool to see him uh, doing so well, you know, despite, you know, age and, you know, his running style and kind of, you know, lack of passing attack that he's still just that good that he can bully everybody. So I, I hope, uh, and, and this is only partially selfish. You know, I do hope because my extreme exposure to him, uh, but I, I do hope that Derrick Henry uh, is able to keep this hot streak going rest of season. And man, it's going to shape up to be a really interesting final week for a lot of those high stakes teams that are rostered Henry uh, coming off of the, the, the points they're going to be able to accumulate in weeks 14, 15, 16, a couple other squads. Uh, to keep in mind here, we already mentioned that Sean very smartly pointed out Mixon has the toughest situation uh, rest of season. A couple of a couple of other high profile backs that have a little bit tougher sledding than they've had recently. Kenneth Walker with a bottom five schedule, Austin Eckler uh, with a bottom seven schedule, Saquon Barkley um, also in the bottom quarter of the league. So a couple high profile backs who, you know, from a volume perspective, we wouldn't expect to see, you know, usage necessarily change, but perhaps we could see some slight changes with fantasy efficiency, especially in the cases of Walker and Barkley, who are a little bit more dependent on their rushing production versus a player like Eckler, who is so uh, heavy to the receiving side of things, Dave. Yes, uh, definitely um, all things to keep in mind there. As I'm looking through, I don't think there's anything else that, Stands out to me so we can talk about uh, wide receivers if you're inclined. Yeah, man. Chris Olave and maybe honorable mention to possibly healthy soon Jarvis Landry. Uh, the Saints have the best situation rest of season. No one has really emerged uh, beyond Olave as a reliable uh, receiving option. You know, of course, we've seen a little bit more receiving work go to Alvin Kamara, um, you know, Taysom Hill. Uh, is getting involved at the tight end designation, but not necessarily as a receiver. I mean, the team needs somebody else to step up. So Landry is still a little bit on my radar is a player that could emerge um, if the saints can stay uh, competitive and not get disinterested. The Bengals wide receivers have the second most attractive schedule rest of season going to be really interesting. The longer that chase is out, you, you highlighted Tyler Boyd, as a kind of an honorable mention at the top of the show, the longer that chases out the, you know, the, I think the more ability Boyd will have to be uh, a week in week out starter um, through, you know, kind of this high priority uh, corridor of the fantasy season, Chicago bears, man, Chicago bears wide receiver, uh, you know, Darnell Mooney, potentially chase Edmund or chase Edmonds, chase Claypool, uh, top four situation, rest of seasons, particularly juicy the next two weeks against Detroit and Atlanta. Can't really get better than that situation. And week 17 also returning uh, to face Detroit again. So two matchups against that Lions secondary uh, between now and the end of the season. Really cool situation for the Bears. On the other side of things, um, just as a uh, kind of keeping things even here, we were highlighting Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, not surprisingly with Patrick Mahomes having a, a bad situation from a quarterback fantasy matchup perspective, the chiefs wide receivers, second most difficult matchup uh, matchups over the next eight weeks, the Rams and Cooper cup 
uh, the third most difficult and uh, Miami, of course, you know, bottoms, bottom eight here. We were already talking about the situation with Tua. Of course, uh, you know, it looks like perhaps the tight ends may be helping to weigh down that matchup uh, rating for, uh, or you could infer that the tight ends are maybe weighing that matchup for Tua down because the, the receivers right, do rate a little bit uh, more highly against opposing uh, defenses over that time. Not sure there's anyone else worth highlighting there. Tight end is really just continues to be such a quagmire. I think you wanted to talk about Greg Dulcich just a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if we did that earlier in the show, but he does have the third most attractive schedule. And we already highlighted that Russell Wilson might have easier sledding too. Yeah. So Bjorn uh, had a couple of great notes on Dulcich as well. Um, Just noting that he's had a very high depth of target for a tight end. That gave him three big fantasy games, four tight ends. Uh, only one of those big games, too, that Bjorn noted in the three before Denver's bye was reliant on a touchdown. So it's been pretty interesting to see what he can do. And then he also noted that the Broncos have moved on from using multiple tight end sets, and they've instead been playing KJ Hamler more often. Now, Hamler hasn't been earning a lot of targets on those routes, seven targets on 53 in his last two games. So that sets up for a situation where Delsit should continue to be able to contribute. Mm-hmm. And with the way that the landscape looks at tight end right now, uh, you know, he's a player that's very intriguing. Yeah. Also, uh, you've got Pat Fryermuth looking like he has a pretty favorable situation, uh, fourth most attractive for tight ends from a fantasy perspective, rest of season. Uh, perhaps the bye week for the Steelers, you know, maybe they will find some things that they can implement uh, that will take advantage of Kenny Pickett's relative skill set. Of course, Mike Tomlin saying that they don't need to change anything about their offense. They just need to execute better. <laughs> Not necessarily what you, what you want to say, work harder. Um, it's always such an effective yep. management strategy. Um, you know, the Steelers look like they do need to change some things. Um, nothing else I really want to highlight there from a tight end perspective. Defenses, man, <clears throat> I think this is important. You know, it's very difficult to just, you know, pick a defense and ride with them rest of the season, save a couple of situations. I, I, I would highlight that the Eagles, you know, when we see these teams that are performing so well, can get out to early leads and sit on them. It is a situation where you force opposing teams to pass, which can create turnover and sack situations. Eagles have the fourth most attractive uh, defensive fantasy uh, situation moving forward. If we just highlight the playoffs and you're looking to like, hey, I'm free and clear a couple games in my league and I'm looking to just stash somebody for weeks 15, 16, 17. The Chargers, the Giants, and the Raiders, the top three uh, overall defenses for the three money weeks in fantasy Dave, anything else you would want to hit from a defense perspective? I think that is it. Other than Detroit having, eh, eh, I'm not sure that we're going to be thinking that. Nah, by the man, end we're, of not the year. we're not sashing Detroit eight weeks at a time. Yeah, no. Uh, so I think I think you got purposes. it. Yeah, but LA, yeah. Uh, the Chargers are green in yeah. those three weeks with Tennessee, Indy, and the Rams, as you mentioned. So that's definitely. Um, one that might be worth considering. And even if you don't do it this week, it has become a major practice of mine, especially in leagues like uh, FFPC leagues where you reach a point where waivers are shut off. 
Yeah. You have yeah. to make it a point to go in, look at this tool a couple weeks in advance of that and map out which defenses you're going to roll with. I generally will add two. I might even add some leagues. Honestly, I might even add more than that. If my team does not have spots elsewhere on the roster where it makes sense to hold players because those defenses can become pretty critical um, once you reach the playoffs and you don't have access to a waiver wire pool. Yeah. And it's also playing offense by playing defense yep. and, you know, playing keep away a little bit. So um, yeah, we're, we're a little bit ahead of schedule on that. Not saying that you need to, you know, panic and go out and, and add any of those squads. But if you're in a true luxury situation, undefeated, something like that, um, it makes sense to just go ahead and take care of that business. Now we'll, we'll do another review of this over the next couple of weeks when, when we get into those uh, I guess uh, more, uh, urgent planning uh, weeks of the, of the fantasy season. Hopefully you enjoyed this kind of fantasy radio uh, perspective on, on this episode, a little bit more off script than we typically go on a Monday night heading into your Tuesday morning. But we just wanted to talk about the players that we wanted to talk about. And uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's fun to do that. And I, I mean, geez, there's so many cool performances and storylines and we, we only hit, you know, just to drop in the bucket of those. So if you, if you want to read more about the trends that our analysts are spotting, you can of course do that in written form on rotaviz.com or listen to all the other great content on uh, rotaviz fantasy sports radio. Thank you for listening to the rotoviz fantasy football show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 